Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves, and this the final episode of 2019. My seventh guest is Beck Evans, consultant and founder of Prolifico, a company which helps writers become more productive, as well as being author of How to Have a Happy Hustle. This episode is ideal for new freelancers pursuing a dream and working out things like which social media platform you want to focus on, as well as those of you who are thinking about turning to self-employed life in 2020. If you're considering any kind of side hustle, whether you're already freelance or not, this is a fab episode for you. Beck talks about finding your passion, learning the patience to see how your side hustle develops, as well as the highs and lows of freelance feels and how they can spur you on to do something or make a change. Beck shares a familiar love-hate relationship with LinkedIn and how moving from London to Yorkshire helped shape the self-employed life she now lives, as well as when it's time to quit and how to process that. I hope you enjoy the final episode of Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves, and I'll see you in 2020. Welcome to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I'm here with Beck Evans. Welcome, Beck. Thank you for asking me. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit about what your freelance is. So I'm a writer, a consultant, and I run a business with my husband, and it's called Prolifico, and we help writers become more productive. I love the name Prolifico, by the way. How did you come up with that? It's such a cool name. It's got a K in it as well. It just seems to make it even cooler. Well, I think that's more about trying to get a, um, a unique website, get ah, a URL. Oh, we've all been there, yeah. But, but the idea is around being prolific and what mm. that really means to people. It's fantastic. I really, it really stands out as a name. I really, really love Thank that. Thank you. And you're also author of How to Have a Happy Hustle, which we'll talk about in a bit. Yes. Your exciting book, which is how we connected in the beginning, was press releases about books. So it's lovely to go from getting an email about a book launch to sitting together talking about your freelance. Oh yes. It's really lovely to go on that little journey together. So you're here on a bit of a kind of visit from home in Yorkshire. We're in London today at WeWork. Um, so tell us a bit about sort of what, how you've come here. Have you been working around the country? That's a bit of your freelance life, I guess, isn't it? Your sort of suitcase It is. And it's, it's, I mean, I would never consider myself a sort of, uh, what's it, a digital nomad, isn't it? Mm. Um, I live up in Yorkshire, and most of the time I can work for myself and at home, mm. uh, but you do have to travel, so that's part of what goes with being a freelance and being outside of London, because yeah. you have to come down. So yesterday I was at a conference, um, so hosting a startup pitch-off for them, Fantastic. which is lots of fun. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness, you just get to see everybody in the infancy of their that, startup yeah. dream. Well, they were incredibly good. So yeah. yeah, I look back to when I was doing pitch-offs and I was nowhere near as good as that. Is it really... I've never done a pitch-off. Is that really... Tell, tell me what that is even for well, people that don't know sort of what's a pitch-off. So I talk about it a bit in the book. It's mm. about communicating your idea. And I think we are all often... It's one of the skills that I think we all need to do. So whether you're networking or trying to pitch for business or just share your idea or enter a competition, you need to be able to describe who you are and what you do and mm. why it benefits other people. So it's quite a good discipline to get into, that sense yes. of being able to have a sentence or two or a three or four minute pitch about what you do and why that matters. Yeah. So if you were put on the spot, I guess, at a, yes. a conference or at an, an event even, yeah. which I've experienced as well, and it was so scary, someone did say to me, go for it then, tell me, you've got two minutes, elevator pitch, and I was like, I thought this would always happen with Richard Branson. Yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe it will. Let's yeah. manifest that. <laughs> so what does freelance mean to you, Beck? What, what does freelance... Do you call yourself freelance? Do you call yourself self-employed? What, what's, yeah. what does that all mean So to I, you? I don't call myself freelance at the moment, and I was trying to work out why that was. Mm. And I think it's because I, I worked in publishing for about 20 years, and freelancers were always the experts. They were the people... Mm. I got in to do work, oh, you know, okay. so whether they were, they might have been editors, proofreaders, they could be um, developers and digital and comms people, mm. but I always thought of freelancers being like the absolute experts that you needed to make stuff happen. Oh, like the contractors. Yeah, or, your contractors, yeah. or you might call them consultants. Yeah. So in my head, when I left employment and set up for myself, um, I never really considered myself a freelance, mm. um, and I sort of, sort of fudged it a bit, like, am I, am I a... I was called a startup founder for a while, mm. but you kind of think that's more of a, a trendy thing to be able to get, get yourself some investment or some backers. Yeah. Um, so I would call myself, I don't know, a writer and a consultant now, yeah. I think, and then I, I, you know, run a business. I like consultant. <laughs> yeah. It's actually quite smart, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I consult. <laughs> um, so you said that you worked in publishing for 20 years. How did you jump into freelance slash self-employed consultant life? What brought you to deciding that you wanted to do your own thing? Yeah, well, I think I was always one of those people who was quite annoying in business in that I was always coming up with ideas about how to change things. Mm. And a, a boss a long time ago put me in charge of like incubators so I could be in charge of um, managing new business ideas okay. and that sort of led me off into a path into innovation so I was head of innovation which is a really it's an amazing job it's that sounds fun so you get to um, you know come up with ideas and work with people about how to support them to come up with ideas and test them and build them and I really thought that was all about new products and services, but actually it's about skills and culture change. And while I was doing that, I had an idea of my own that I was working on in my spare time. So it's the classic side hustle. Ah, brilliant. You have side hustle, <laughs> therefore you can advise on side hustling. Yes. That's yes. cool though. Yeah. So you kind of found yourself in this position where you suddenly went, I really like this thing that I've started on the side as well. Yeah. Did it start to become bigger? As, as you probably planned it to, but you were like, oh, hold on. That could be the thing. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think for a lot of people, it's a really, um, it's not low risk, but it's like managing risk mm. of setting up your own business, mm. setting up a freelance. You know, you need the security of income. We all need the security Absolutely. of income. Yeah. Uh, but jobs themselves aren't particularly long-term and secure nowadays. Mm. So it's quite helpful to have something on the side, whether it's a hobby, whether it's a side project, or whether it's something that brings in extra income. Yeah. And it's a way of testing out uh, do I like this? Can I do yes. this? Could I do, you know, could I do this more? And I did that thing where you start off full time, then you drop a day and drop a day mm. until you reach a point where you go, I have to go all in. Yes. And that's, that's amazing. Scary. Quick, yeah. no, well, no, it's more exciting. I think that's the point. You need, um, again, it goes back to risk. You need to be able to prove to yourself that your idea or what you want to do is worth it. It's yeah. worth your time and you think you can make a go of it. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting. And I did that thing where I kind of saved up a bit of money mm -hmm. I didn't have like you know months or kind of like a long runway but I had enough to go I can give this a go and if it doesn't work yeah. you know after three or six months I can go back and get a job you know you kind of go what's the worst that can happen I can get a job it's like well I've already got a job so it's not mm. that bad yeah so if you're lucky enough to have a job in the first place it's a really good way of managing it I love that as well because I think a lot of people see other people do something like often they see someone's announce I'm going freelance, I'm going to work for myself now. And they think that perhaps they've woken up that morning and it's some knee jerk. And actually, 
it's almost reassuring to tell listeners that I guess if you're thinking, say someone's listening to this and they're perhaps freelance and thinking, should I jump back into a job? Or they're not freelance and they're thinking they really want to and therefore they're listening to this podcast because they want some inspiration. You can play a bit of a long game. You don't have to wake up tomorrow morning and go, yeah. right, I've got to quit. Yeah. Ah, now what? Build up gradually. But it's going to take your evenings, your weekends, your lunch breaks. There's oh, a realism yeah. to that as well in terms of juggling the time. Would oh, there is. That? Yeah. So I was amazed when I was writing the book about the statistics on how many people have side hustles. Because we kind mm. of think of this as this kind of weird phrase that doesn't really apply to many of us. But um, Henley Business School did some research and found that a quarter of all UK adults have a side hustle. Wow. So that's a lot of people. Yeah. And... So some of those people will be sort of transitioning to being freelance, to having their own business, to kind of genuinely leaving employment and having that freedom and autonomy and all the really exciting stuff. But a lot of people just like having something on the side because it gets them to use other skills. They can have a perfectly great job that keeps them happy between nine to five but actually you know we're so much more than our jobs we have so many more skills and experiences and things that we want to do and say and experience um and i think you know side hustles doing something while you're figuring it all out Mm -hmm. and seeing what you enjoy the most see what you enjoy yeah 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 Yeah. and what you're good at you don't know what you're good at until you try it that's so true isn't it and it's like you might try it and think actually i'm not actually that good at it at all yeah but I found it fun. Yeah. I've dabbled in watercolours this year. There's nothing going in the National Gallery anytime soon. But it's just a nice little thing that's nothing to do with words. It is, yeah. Often when, I don't know if you find this, but if you work with words a lot, and it's the same for anyone I guess someone works with, say someone is an artist, yeah. their hobby is not going to be potentially picking up charcoal pencils yes. if they're a watercolour artist. They're going to want to do something that isn't that way inclined I suppose so yeah it's nice to do something that's non-wordy I find it is but I think again it's I love that you talked about having a hobby because mm. a hobby is completely different to a side hustle yes yeah good and point. I think yeah. we need to again it goes back to we are so much more mm. than our kind of nine to five jobs that hobbies are stuff you do for fun yeah. and I advise people to don't monetize them. Mm. So you said, you know, it might be great to get an exhibition from your watercolors, but you're not planning on doing that for, you know, to pay off your mortgage or no. something. No. It's like, it, this is something you do for fun, for its own fulfillment. It's like, don't try to, you know, get money from it because it often, that can be the thing that will destroy all that. No, you're right. I've got a friend who always says, never, never try and work in your hobby. Yes. Because I think a lot of people might think, oh, I'm going to become a dog walker because I like dogs or I'm going to become, can't think of another example, but that's yeah. one I often <laughs> quote. Yeah, liking dogs is different to wanting to walk other people's dogs all Definitely. day every day. That that's quite a challenge. And yeah, so how did the book come about? Was that something you always wanted to write to impart what you'd learn? Is that sort of quite a kind of labour of love for you? Yeah. So I mean, I suppose there's two things to that. One is that I had always wanted to write since mm-hmm. I was a child, which is why I went into publishing, why I worked with books for my career because mm-hmm. it was something I really, really wanted to do. But actually, I had reached a stage where I was doing a lot of blogging and writing of articles about innovation and ideas mm. and, you know, how, what are the, the tried and tested methods of doing that. And I realised people were asking me more and more for advice and what else to read. And it felt like there was a gap. Yes. And that the way the book, that the way I tell it, um, I, that didn't exist. Mm. So I, I needed to write that book because people were asking for it. So yeah. it was like that combination of a long held dream 
and a kind of a real opportunity. And when I decided, it all happened quite fast in terms uh-huh. of getting an agent and getting a pub, uh, you know, a publisher. All just clicked into place. And that all just yes, yeah, yeah. It must have been very satisfying because that's your own side. That's like your second side hustle, in a way, isn't it? <laughs> yes, you've got a new side hustle. It, well, no, and I do, I do. I mean, mm-hmm. I generally always have like a main thing and then something on the side. So writing the book was the side hustle. It was yeah. the thing that was, you know, first thing in the morning and at weekends and last thing at night. Um, and you kind of get used to, you know, juggling different parts of your life. Yeah, but you kind of find, I don't know if you found this, but I found whenever, I mean, freelance feels is probably a good example. Definitely. The more I've done it, and I have always intended it to be a side hustle that will become something more yeah. rather than a hobby or something. But the more you find that actually you want to get up a bit early, you do. or you actually think, mm, I yeah. don't want to go out on yeah. Friday night because actually I would rather just finish off this bit of whatever I'm yes. doing for the thing. You, you start to become really into your side hustle. You don't want to do other things. You, you do. So um, a lot of, again, I get asked by a lot of students or, or younger people about, you know, finding their passion in the mm. world. And it... The research shows it's the other way around. You don't have a passion that you suddenly get interested in that becomes your job. Mm-hmm. What you do is the more time you spend with something, the more curious you are, the more you get into it and oh. the more you want to do that. Yes. So, you know, I tell people not to worry if they don't know what their thing is yet. Mm-hmm. I just tell them to That's go out advice. and be curious and experience stuff because things catch your attention and they're not always the thing you expected mm. and you just get interested and you kind of dig a little bit more and you spend a little bit more time or you read and you go out and you experience it and then suddenly you're absolutely right it becomes the thing that gets you up in the morning that you think oh, I just want to finish this off yeah. you don't have to force yourself it's like again you get that that moment where it kind of just kicks in that this is the thing that you enjoy doing that you get fulfillment that you want to spend a bit more time on I love that idea that it's like yeah it builds it does. and then it suddenly creeps up on you and you yeah. might be like oh this is my thing I didn't yeah. even realise yeah, so anyone who's worried that they haven't got a side hustle idea or yeah. they don't know what they would do if they could go to the holy grail of freelance self-employed life tomorrow, yeah. don't worry, it might come to you at any moment. Yes. Just try and take everything in around you and yeah. just be with things and then see what, what kind of jumps out. And it always takes longer than you think. Everything mm. takes longer than you think. So it takes longer to set up your reputation as a freelance. It takes long, a long time to get your business off the ground. So, you know, it's nice to feel impatient because it gets you motivated mm. but don't feel downhearted when it doesn't happen immediately so yeah it takes longer than you think yes brilliant <laughs> advice and what does freelance feels mean to you have you found challenges on that emotional and mental health level as a yeah. self-employed person and on your journey tell me a little bit about how you you feel about the idea of, of yeah. freelance feels yeah so um, it's like it's all the feelings all the feelings <laughs> it's yeah. all the feelings like all the time but I, I, was, I was sort of thinking like I'm a Libra which is my symbol is balance and it's the whole point of, of feels mm. and freelance feels is that you know you have that kind of sheer panic that you're never going to get paid which is also balanced off with a sense of fulfillment and autonomy mm. so you have everything has to become in balance so it's okay to feel that insecurity and the doubt mm-hmm. that you get you do get that a lot oh, and the so worry much. about money and then there's times where you just think I'm living my best life yeah. I would never you know how people are paying me to do this work that I love yeah. and they all happen at different times or all at the same time 
often in the same day or the same morning, you, yeah. will, you will go up and down. So I think that the whole point about the feelings is, is learning how to manage them, to observe mm-hmm. them, to, to deal with them when, when, you know, when they are serious. Yeah. But it does change a lot. Mm. So it's kind of almost accept that they're going to be there as well. Yes. that thing where I've tried to fight the feels a lot, yeah. but I think it's just futile. Of course yes. this is, like with yeah. any... You've got to try and work with these things, haven't you? But that thing you just touched on there, the idea of the feast and famine, yes. is something I've tried to make peace with and I just don't think I ever will. I don't know if it's the same for you, where it's like yeah. loads of work might come in and then suddenly you're, you're quieter for a few yeah. weeks and you just think, am I ever going to get any work again? And yeah. I never get used to that. I don't know if I ever will. I, I don't think... I, for me, it's all about noticing when that happens. Mm. I think it's... Most um, freelancers and self-employed people I know, they spend more time in that panic mode and we forget to enjoy the good stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like we do, it's completely disproportionate, those, those really negative feelings. Mm-hmm. But actually, they're a spur to do something. So it's like, actually, I need to get out there and I need to speak to people. I need to get back in contact mm-hmm. with some people who've uh, given me work in the past. I need to make my presence known, you know. Yes. But also, there's a really strange serendipity that does happen. That, you know, I, particularly over the past year, while I've been writing the, the book, there's a real opportunity cost. Ah, so if you that do something that. like that, well, it's an, it's an ec- economic term, but it just means that when you're spending time doing something that you love, which is fundamentally not going to earn you any money, mm. you're missing out on the opportunities where you can earn money. So I made a very conscious decision, but that meant I had to get really comfortable with being very, very skinned mm-hmm. for a very, very long yeah. time. Yeah. And realising that was the cost to me fulfilling a long-held dream so you when you write a book you do you do get a bit of an advance but it's spread over so it's nowhere near you know even a very small day rate it doesn't cover you you don't you know a few people you hear about might get big advances but for most people it's it's very tiny it's basic pay the bills it's not it's not even at that level for a lot yeah yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah so I think getting you know as you get older you you can get a bit more comfortable and because I do live outside London mm-hmm. my my costs are really predictable so I can look at them and go well this is how much I really really need to live on oh, so you just cut right back yes. and I'm very good at you know not going out and cooking at home and mm-hmm. doing those things and thinking if that's the cost to, yeah. to achieving a long-held dream then that's worth it because it does change yeah so you can live this quiet monkish life for a few months which is quite nice in some which ways is nice. isn't it especially yeah. depending on what season it is I guess if it's summer you can be like okay well there's always going to be outside space um, yeah. if it's winter cosy on down biggest bed socks you can find sort of thing yeah, yeah you just got to yeah. work with it and yeah you're right think about that the bigger goal the longer the term goal and yeah. keep that in mind and and that kind of thing. You mentioned Yorkshire, and we touched on that before yeah. with the travel. I'd love to talk about this a bit more because you moved from London. You're one of those people that left London. I left London. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. T- tell me sort of how that came about, and I'm assuming you don't miss London too much, but you still get to come in a bit. And yeah, no, I like, I love coming back to London mm-hmm. because so many people and so many friends and so many contacts, and yeah. so much is happening here. But um, I love living in Yorkshire, and it was a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. But and it was also quite again serendipitous that I was working in London I'd moved up to Yorkshire I was commuting up and down it was hellish I had to choose mm. so I, I went for Yorkshire and I landed an amazing job I worked in publishing before and I got um, a job managing a writer's retreat centre so it was oh, wow. Ted Hughes's old house in this beautiful <gasps> valley and every week I would have 
famous writers up from London who would come up and I would like host the literary evenings and then people would do courses and I was working directly with writers and that's what gave me the idea for my business. So um, you hadn't made that first jump? No, I'd moved first. Would then have yeah. moved to founding prolific. I wouldn't have done it, no. Right. So you have to, again, take the long-term view. It's like it's always very easy to tell your story in hindsight. Mm. So you join the dots in a different way. Um, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I never thought that before. So it's like, you know, I can yeah. spin my my past jobs in a way that kind of makes sense now where actually mm. when you're living it it just feels like absolutely chaotic and people yeah. are going why the hell are you moving to Yorkshire that's completely crazy what are you going to do there yeah but you couldn't have said at the time well I'm going to set up a yeah. business called Politico because you hadn't des- decided that then no oh wow the retreats must have been amazing they were and it was an incredibly inspiring place to be that I went from my commute in London to mm. um, a half hour walk through a, a woods with these old ruined mills it was just stunning got a dog and yeah it was amazing fantastic and has it been a real I'm guessing the answer is yes but has it affected your mental health in a positive way to be surrounded by the countryside and especially getting the dog as well and yeah has it have things changed for you in that respect have you found a clarity oh definitely yeah. yes yeah and particularly because I, I run the business with my husband um, so we work together a lot mm. but we also um, have the dog walk in the middle of the afternoon so when everyone else is having a slump in the office yes. we are pulling on generally you know walking boots and waterproofs and climbing a big hill the conversations that you have you know it's all very fashionable to have walking meetings mm. we would never consider it as a dog walk but actually the kind of creative breakthroughs you get the problem solving sometimes just arguing and thrashing out stuff mm. but just getting space and air and exercise it just transforms so you know from a productivity perspective when I get back to my desk after that walk yeah. I am you know at flying again what dog have you got got a labradoodle oh brilliant <laughs> name Peggy Peggy the Labradoodle. Oh, brilliant. Now I interviewed someone else who's got a dog as well. She's saying exactly the same thing. It gives you a sense of routine. And I know not everyone can immediately go get a pet. But if people want it in their plan, I guess they could know that this is going to bring them an element Yes. That could be beneficial to their self-employed life. It's, yes. You know. Yeah. It's someone to talk to. Yes. Who doesn't answer back. <laughs> who needs you unconditionally. I mean, there's so much research on the kind of benefits of having a pet of Definitely. any of any kind yeah. of caring for someone else apart from yeah. you. It, you know, that it has very, very positive so benefits. True. Do you yeah. run business ideas past the dog? Will you sit at your desk and be like, Peggy, what do you think about, should I send this email? Yeah. Signs of all the accounts. Yeah, does she? <laughs> <laughs> One bark for yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit in the past about quitting um, yes. and when to quit. So the idea of not necessarily the actual quit itself, but sort of the build up to it and everything. And that's that's been a huge thing for me as a freelancer. And I don't know if you'd agree with that personally, but working on things that aren't productive can be yeah. really problematic. But you don't feel like you can either no longer work with a certain client yeah. or you feel like you really should just do one more piece of work for that yeah. other brand. What kind of advice would you have for people who are freelance or self-employed but feel like they're almost trapped in a job they don't like with a certain client sort of the quitting of that element and yeah so the first thing is to really notice that you're feeling that we often um how we feel about stuff becomes the new normal so you get kind of ground down by stuff and that just you just think well this is what work is yeah so i think you have to notice it and then start the, and once you do you can take action and the way i i often look at things it kind of goes back to the innovation perspective is like running everything as a bit of a test what would happen 
if I quit, what would happen, what would I change? And you can play that out um, just in your own imagination, but also it gives you a chance to start to gather evidence. Ah, cool. So, you know, you need to have a plan of action. So we all have these grand goals that, well, I'm going to... I'm going to quit my job, move to Yorkshire, get a dog, and it's going to be amazing. But you have to, what you do, you need an implementation plan. So you need to start lining up the things that make it happen. So it's like, you know, I remember like having to learn to drive, that I'd lived in mm. London for years, I couldn't drive. And my husband said, we're not moving out of London until you learn to drive. So it was like one of those things I had to get. It's like a tick in the box before it you It is, go. Yes. yeah. The same way of saving up. So can I lose this client? Can I afford to lose this client? So again, you've got to, you know, look at your finances, mm. gather the evidence, what's really going on there. Yeah. If I stick with them, what's that going to do to my bank balance? But again, it goes back to opportunity costs, that if you quit that client, you've got a chance to get new ones. Yes. I'm finding this a lot, actually, because you feel so... It's almost like an, uh, a difficult relationship, isn't it? And my analogy is always like... I wrote a lot about dating. Yeah. <laughs> but I do find the dating analogy works across so many levels of self-employment. Yes. But it's like, yeah, it's like, well, should I, should I keep dating that bloke that makes, takes up my time, makes yeah. me feel a bit rubbish? You'd be like, or woman, you'd be like, no. Mm. So why do it with a business client? But you Absolutely. feel some kind of pull to stay with them or yeah. some allegiance thing sometimes, don't yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, I often find it... A lot of people talk about doing stuff aligned with your values. Mm. And I kind of think we're not very good at that you know, here in here in Britain, that yeah. we kind of, it feels a bit sort of, oh, I don't really understand what yeah, that means. It sounds a bit sort of, you know, ooh, values. Yeah. Like, Everyone has values. But you do. Right? So yeah. a lot of what we do for, you know, for work is about money. Mm. And that's, that's a basic, we have to do that. We have to bring in the money. You know, we can't, that's not negotiable. We can't say, oh, I'm not going to earn anything. I'm yeah. just going to live. It, it doesn't happen. So, you know, that is going to always drive a lot of our decision making. But often there are clients that really underpay us, but we just love working for yes. them. And yeah. you just think, actually, I get something else. I'm getting to develop new skills that I wouldn't otherwise do. I'm getting to work with a really great group of people mm-hmm. who are really creative, yeah. you know, who really inspire me. Um, and I think, you know, there's no hard and fast rules for what you charge, what mm-hmm. your day rate is. Yeah. It does need to be flexible, but it does need to be, you have to get something from it. Yeah. And if you're not getting something from it, you need to quit. Definitely. But it's okay to say, actually, I'm just doing this for the money. Yes. Yeah. That is fine. Yeah. Well, the kind of connections maybe yeah but it's funny as well because I think as a as journalist in particular I, I guess this is probably similar for other self-employed people as well you might get a lump sum from someone so you agree a kind of a yeah. for a project but actually if that project ends up lasting double the amount of time you agreed and then you haven't put in place to negotiate yeah. for an extension yeah you're actually halving the rate because yes. you're doubling the time yes, yes. Right there. so actually it can work out not in your favor yeah even though the upfront cost might sound like, oh, great, well, they're paying you, say, as an example, say someone said they pay you £1,000 for yeah. a project that you estimate might take one week. Yeah. And because of their extra questions or say their extra, they want another meeting, mm. it ends up taking a week and a half. Well, yeah. £1,000 starts to diminish. Yeah. That's something to bear in mind, I think, isn't it? People shouldn't perhaps look at the, the lump sum. No. Think about how it's really going to take up your time, yeah. your mental health. Yeah. All of that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's all part of it. Mm. And you know, choosing clients sometimes, particularly if you are 
um, trying to grow your business, you want certain clients for their for their brand, for their yes. name. Yeah. You need to build up a bank of recommendations. Mm-hmm. So you know, so let's say for example, you're thinking about going freelance, but you have a job, so you're doing it on the side. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that yes, you're getting some money from that, but you're also getting recommendations, references. You're boosting your LinkedIn page. Yes. You're asking them if you can put their logo, if you can get a quote from them to put on your website, mm-hmm. and then that becomes part of your your plan as you develop to grow your business. So you'd say, okay, six to 12 months, I'm going to take any work from anybody as long as I get paid and I get good references and it yes. builds up my, my, you know, my professional outlook. Yeah. Interesting you mentioned LinkedIn. Yeah. You a fan? I find yeah. LinkedIn really tricky. It's, I feel like it's going to like going back to the 90s when I yes. look on. I stay on it because we're not bashing LinkedIn compared to anybody else, but I find it's a bit Marmite for people. But yeah. would you say that it probably is important to have a profile it's, on sites like LinkedIn? I think yeah. it's incredibly important. So I would make the equivalent of going back to the 90s that LinkedIn is more like email was back then. Oh, okay. So it's a necessary evil. Yes. So it's, and I think a lot of social media is, mm, it's yes, not, it's, exclusive to LinkedIn, isn't it's it? yeah. not necessarily something that's fun, but it is about connection, but it's mm-hmm. about professional connection. Yeah. So in the same way that whenever a new technology comes along, it, you know, we fit it into our life in a certain, mm. a certain way. So I would say, LinkedIn is really important mm-hmm. um, and people you know people google you you need to be yes. found you need yeah. to be but you don't go and give people business cards anymore they will just type you into LinkedIn so yeah. you can pop up yeah. and I you love my business cards though <laughs> maybe because I get to put cacti on them yes, yes. <laughs> but you're right though people it's rare I guess on the receiving end of a business card it might languish in your wallet or something. Yes. Whereas, yes, if you know you go straight on LinkedIn, you're going to have yeah. their details. They'll pop yeah. up on your feed. Yeah. yeah. And I've found it's it's quite a nice place um, with the book coming out that people will buy... Because it is a business book. Mm. It's classic business book. So people actually message me on LinkedIn. So they connect. And there's nothing like somebody reaching out and saying, I just read your book and it was really helpful. Can we connect? And you just and that does yeah. feel amazing. And I kind of thought that I thought it was like Twitter, which I, I enjoy Twitter mm. actually. That's a place that I go to. I still dreadful on Instagram and I refuse to use Facebook now. But Twitter's you, your one. But twi- yeah. Twitter's my one. But actually LinkedIn it, it is really helpful. Mm. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. So everyone should go on. Yeah. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because you sort of you mentioned there as well about having um quotes and sort of recommendations do you think it is good that people should have a website for their business even if it's just them it's good to have a portal that people can google your name and find your website with some some quotes on it from other people and some articles if you've written any or articles about you if you're a business well I, you need to have a public profile yeah so you need to make a conscious decision about where that's going to be so for some people that could be it could just be Facebook or, mm. or um, it could be LinkedIn yeah. it could be a website there are costs and benefits to each of those mm. so just the time of getting a website I did a website for my book and I haven't kept it up to date as much so I realised that actually that was more of a shop front okay. than a kind of a personal profile mm. actually it was better for me to post articles or post professional comments or quotes and stuff on the LinkedIn profile but actually again with everything try it mm. give yourself a, a, a period to see is this going to work or not and it kind of goes back to failure which I talk about a lot is that if you see all these things as experiments 
they if they don't work out, it's not that you that's failed, it's just that oh. experiment has failed. Mm-hmm. So for example, I was thinking, I need a website for my book. Um, and that was a good, it's a good hypothesis. I'll run that as an experiment. You know, six months in, I'm thinking, I'm not keeping it up to date, mm-hmm. so I need to change it. And it's like, it's not that, I, you know, I was at the time, I was feeling really bad. I'm not blogging. I should have been doing this. I should have been doing that. And we really beat ourselves up oh, about that. Oh, we do put all these pressures on all ourselves. This, and it was, like, it was yeah. like, no, no, that's not what it's about. And why would any, you know, people want to be able to type in the book or type in me and something come up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can choose where that is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm finding that with the Facebook page of Freelance yes. Fields is actually, it's there yeah. and a few people might like something on it yeah. but actually Instagram is where it's at for freelance films isn't it you're exactly right I hadn't thought of it like that before yeah. but yeah I've almost sort of done a bit of a test on Facebook you have yeah and I think if I took the Facebook down nobody would be upset because yeah. those people are also yes on the Instagram so they're seeing yeah. the same thing twice often anyway yeah oh. there's different channels for everything yeah. I mean we did this a lot when I was kind of you know, more in the kind of like business idea or startup mm. phase, you don't know what channel is going to be best for you and your business. So try out a few and don't just get downhearted when one doesn't work yes. because another one will. So you might say, actually, I'm going to try, you know, Facebook group for six months or I'm going to try and do all my articles on LinkedIn mm. or, you know, actually, I'm going to push it all via Twitter or Instagram. You, you don't know which one's going to work. You don't know. Again, it's about finding your network, yes. finding your clients, working out where your customers are. That's more important sometimes than thinking what your preference is. Yeah. So if your professional network is on LinkedIn, you need to embrace Post it. There. You yeah. need to fall in love with LinkedIn. Yes, embrace the LinkedIn. <laughs> it's funny to talk about advice for people. Do you sort of? I have this thing where often I'll, I'll someone will ask for a piece of advice and I'll say, well, in my experience, this, this, and this. Yeah. And then I will go off and think, ah, oh, I wish I could take my own advice sometimes. Do you? Do you feel that as someone who gives a lot of advice yeah. to startups? Do you ever find yourself thinking, I should be taking my own advice? Like, why am I going down that road with that client I shouldn't? Or why am I keep trying to do Facebook when it's not working? Do you, do you get those feels oh, as well? Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, we're human. And you, you get, you do, I notice that a lot that, you know, I do get asked for advice for people and just think, I'm not doing this myself. Mm. And it's a good reminder. You, you need to, you need to kind of, you know, walk your own talk. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I, I constantly forget to is I always tell people, I'm obsessed with telling them to think of the smallest possible thing they can do. Oh, you know, no. so the whole kind of the neuroscience thing is that we often come up with goals and plans and having a big goal is incredibly exciting because it's very motivating because you can see this thing and this change and actually your brain is kind of firing up because it's imagining this brilliant future um but the problem with that big goal is you don't know how to get there Mm -hmm. so you have to think of something really really small and in doing that again it goes back to your brain that you bypass the kind of fear centers the stuff that makes us think well I can't do public speaking I can't write a book I can't go freelance and what you do is you break it down into tiny tiny little steps that doesn't scare you Mm -hmm. but means you're making progress towards that big exciting goal so often when I get stuck I just think of what is the smallest thing I can do? Yeah. And I think um, one of the other skills that I'm really learning to embrace a lot more is coming up with multiple ideas or multiple steps. Okay. Um, because when I was researching the book, I, there was a lot of res- uh, research on um, how we often have one idea for a thing, mm. um, but if you have a second idea or a third idea, it increases the success because you have a choice. 
Oh, or you can run tests on all three of them yes. to see which one works. So in the same way we talked about oh, what platform that. is the rest for you. Yeah. So I just I encourage people to like literally go, what's the smallest thing I can do? And think of all of the things you can do. Mm. And then you'll find one which is, oh yeah, I can do that one first. Yeah. Or this one's more exciting. Or actually I can just start now because that's not going to cost me anything. Yes. So come up with multiple ideas to take forward. Fantastic. I guess if you were training for a marathon... You're not yeah. going to go straight to 10k or half marathon. You're probably going to do a carriage to 5k. Definitely. And then you might find different ways of doing that. Treadmill. Yes. Run in the park. Yeah. I don't know. Do another fitness class. Yeah. You start yeah. to try it all out, wouldn't you? You're not going to start to try and run 26.2 miles. Not in one the day. Next day. No. Uh, no. 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 Very sore legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. And we're chatting. It's the run up to Christmas and New Year. It's nearly December. Yeah. Um, Christmas trees are going up left, right and centre, the Christmas ads are out, everyone's in that area and I think for a lot of people that immediately makes them start to think, oh in the new year I might look for a new job or I might think about starting my side hustle, they have that break over Christmas where perhaps they have time to ponder on their side hustle a little bit more. does it excite you, the idea that lots of people are thinking of becoming self-employed, that there's going to be that surge, potentially, of, like, hustlers? It does. Side it, hustlers. <laughs> I think it's really funny. So some of us are really excited by New Year's resolutions, and mm. other people really hate it. Yeah. Uh, but what I've spotted, and you'll have seen this all the time, because it's all over all the social medias, is that because it's 2020 next year, there's that kind of, what have you changed in the last yes, 10 years? So I think it feels like there is an additional pressure on mm. us. So for some people, that would be really exciting. And for some of them, it will be really, mm. um, you know, overwhelming or scary. Yeah. Um, but there is something about a new year. There is something about a new decade mm. that can give you a real push and excitement. So it doesn't always have to be new year, new you. Mm. But I think what Christmas does really well is force us to have a break. Yes. Um, Sometimes that break can be spending time with people you don't want to spend time with, spending money you don't want to spend. You know, the negative experience can be an incentive as much as a positive Mm. one can. So whatever your Christmas is like, whether you've got lots of time and space to to imagine a new future or whether or not you've just had a really bad Christmas and you're just like, I am never doing that again. Both of those things can force us to make changes in our lives. It's funny you mention about the money. I think for a lot of freelancers, Christmas is tricky because... Yes. You know, you, you, you're building up to a time when a lot of companies wind down. Yes. I know in the media, a lot of companies, that magazines just shut yeah. from about the 20th till something like the 2nd of January. So even if you've had a commission or, or yeah. worked with a client, you're unlikely to get an invoice paid in that time, etc. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can be quite a worrying time, can't it? it but it, also, like you say, spur people on to think can, about what's yeah. different then. And I've, I've found um, it's... I, I don't think I've cracked it yet, but since I've been working for myself, uh, I've ended up working all over Christmas all yeah. work because I work with writers. So, um, and people often want to write for their New Year's resolution. Oh. So it's a really important time for us to be able to make sure that we're available, that we've got the right messaging out there, that mm-hmm. we're advertising or, or whatever. It all needs to be done over Christmas. And the past few years, I've left that, so I've ended up working. And last year in particular, I ended up with a migraine on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. which was just hideous. Because yeah. I think I went from working full out to then stopping, mm-hmm. and then I just got sick. And it's like, don't do that, people. Yeah. Um, so I'm determined to be able to 
wind down a bit mm-hmm. to put in place a plan that I can take a bit of a break over Christmas so I can start the new year feeling a bit more positive and rested and enthusiastic longer dog walks yes <laughs> larger coffees <Yeah. laughs> cups of mulled wine yeah it's so important to take a break though isn't it, it? I think that's a really good note to end on is the idea of when you're self-employed I've heard of people who just don't take holiday no like for almost years at a time because you're scared to take a day off and almost we perceive that we're not being paid for a day off. Yes. And it's, I love what you said about going back to your, your, your budgets all the time. Yeah. I'm not the biggest budgeter, I have no. to confess, but the idea that actually if you look at what you've earned in the month, you, you probably have earned, literally earned some days off. You can yeah. manage for that and that people shouldn't feel guilty if they want to not check their email on Christmas yeah. Day. It's really important if you do want to be with your family or your friends yeah. or by yourself, frankly, yes. or with your dog, that you shouldn't, we forget that we are allowed time off, don't we? That we should be a bit kinder to ourselves with the with the breaks. Definitely, mm. yes. Goes yeah. back to balance again, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Two fellow Libras here. Yeah. I love that, <laughs> fellow Libra. I don't often feel that balance. So. <laughs> I'm a bit like a scales that's constantly, yeah. but it is all about like you drop one it bit is. on one side, yeah. oh dear, I'm going to need something on the other. And, I really, really like that analogy. Please, would you tell us how people can find out more about you, about Prolifico, where they can buy your book? Yeah, so the book is called How to Have a Happy Hustle, The Complete Guide to Making Your Ideas Happen, and just pop it into Google and it'll pop up. And you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'll, at Eva Beck on uh, Twitter and Instagram and on LinkedIn and prolifico.com. Well, wish you all the best for Christmas and New Year. Thank you. And thanks for joining us on Freelance Feels. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. You can find Freelance Feels online at www.freelancefeels.com and on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels. Please do share and rate the podcast if you've enjoyed it. Thank you.